Happy draft day, everybody. Welcome to the Locked on Bucks podcast. I am your host, David Harrison. My partner in crime, James Yarko, will be joining us here in just a second. And uh, if, you're, if you're listening to us for the first time, you've stumbled upon the third and final episode of our mailbag, our pre-draft mailbag episode, where we've had a lot of our listeners submit their questions, a lot of great questions that have sparked a whole lot of conversation between James and I. Uh, so hopefully, like I said, if this is the first one you're listening to, go back, catch those other ones. And, you know, if you have time, check out the uh, the other stuff that we've done. A lot of great stuff here at the Lot Tom Bucks podcast. Uh, without any more delay, we're going to get right back into the questions. David, our next question comes from our buddy Chris. We love Chris. At TB underscore Bucks underscore for life. And I think looking at some of the other questions that we have, this is pretty much the last one that's going to be any kind of like major conversation the other ones are pretty much going to be rapid fire we can answer them in probably 20 seconds or less Mm -hmm. but this is the one that i had to start next to i'm excited for this one all right chris says let's say chubb nelson barkley derwin james via fitzpatrick and geis are all top 10 on the bucks board i think it's safe to say that that's probably not far off chris Mm -hmm. why not take geis seventh if the top three non-quarterbacks aren't there of course bradley or uh, uh, Barkley Chubb Nelson would fit perfectly with need, but why not value? He's rumored to be the second best running back in this draft. And some even have him above Barkley as in on their own personal rankings and, and things like that. Um, so knowing he won't be there at 38, why not go ahead and take him at seven? And this is the conversation I wanted to get to David, because this is the reach conversation. Yeah. Why is it? Why is it a reach? to take Geis at seven just because Mel Kuyper, you know, who the hell is Mel Kuyper says it is or Todd McShay or Mike Mayock. Here's, here's my stance on it. Mm-hmm. If you love a guy, if you think he can help transform your franchise, it's not a reach. If it works, the only the only reason people call things a reach is because of their own personal rankings or it's a shot to their ego that they didn't have this guy as as high as these other guys. But, you know, this guy went first, you know, like Mitch Trubisky, who the heck had Mitch Trubisky going that early in the draft last year? But if it works for the Bears, it's not a reach. Who was the guy out of Seattle a few years ago? Uh, was the first round pick for them. And everyone talked about what a God awful pick it was. It, it was their first round pick the year they got Russell Wilson. Everybody talked about how that was by far the worst pick of the first round. What a reach it was. And the guy went on to become a pro bowler, like dominated one of the best players in, in, in football. And it's going to drive me nuts now that I can't remember who it was. It's only a reach because the talking heads say it's a reach. So the first if, round of 2012, the Seahawks took Bruce Irvin. That's what it was. It was Irvin. Or, did I say Irvin or Irving? I was close. Something like Either that, way. yeah. And Wagner right. in the second round. Yeah, and and what was, were all the what were all the pundits saying about the Seattle Seahawks draft that year? What are they doing? Are they insane? This is terrible. And they only went out and dominated for the next five years. And won a Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Should have won so, two. If Jason Light says, you know what, Darius Geis is our guy. This is the guy that we want. We like him better than Barkley anyway. Let the Giants or the Browns take Barkley. We want Darius Geis, and we're not risking missing on him. We're taking him here. Just like I said earlier, 
when you love a guy that much, you don't risk it by trading out. Jason Light said it. Sometimes you hurt yourself by trying to get too cute. And if he goes out there and he drafts Darius guys and he's getting ripped on a Guayo in the second round, traded up to get him levels. Why would you spend a, the seventh pick in the draft on Darius guys? He's got character concerns. <clears throat> he's immature. You know, why wouldn't you trade back? Da, 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 da. But then what if guys makes the pro bowl three out of the next four years, he's the NFL's rushing leader in two of his first four seasons. He's regarded as one of the top three, top four running backs in the NFL. Is it a reach anymore? No, that's the thing that gets me about reach. People have their personal rankings. They have their own idea as to who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, who's going to be this, who's going to be that. And when the GMs and the scouts don't fall in line with the narrative that we've been listening to ad nauseum for the last four months, then all of a sudden it's a reach or it's a bad pick. It doesn't work that way. I hate right. that term. Ah, I was so excited to answer this question. Yeah, and you're definitely you're 100 correct. I mean, it's it's like the old saying: beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Bingo. Um, reaches is in the eye of the evaluator, and steel is also in the eye of the evaluator. Like, um, if you get Tom Brady in the sixth round, that's that's a steal of the century. But guess what? Even the New England Patriots did not view Tom Brady as a steal in the sixth round, or else they wouldn't have drafted him in the sixth round. Right. Um, I was actually trying to look up uh, in preparation for this. I couldn't find it. Um, were the Saints because somebody in the Saints organization or, or somebody in the media got a hold of it, basically said that the Saints had a first round grade on Alvin Kamara. Um, no, you didn't. <laughs> or else you'd have drafted him at least in the second round. Um, unless they just have first round grades on like four hundred people. Uh, uh, like, no, it's not actually four hundred people. But to have a first round grade on a guy you draft in the third round, you have to have a first round grade on probably about eighty dudes. Um, and I don't know, like, I, I don't, I've never been in a war room, but I don't imagine you're going to, as a scouter, as a, as a head of a scouting department, you're going to come up to your GM on draft night and say, here's 80 first round players. Um, cause you're probably gonna get fired. So while that sounds good, you know, to the buzzword and all the like, oh man, they knew something we didn't know. Didn't, no, no. Listen, if you have a first round grade on Alvin Kamara and that dude's available at pick 25 in the second round, you're trading up for him. Yeah. Um, you're not sitting until the third round to pick him. So, no, you didn't have it. I uh, hope I never have to get hired by the Saints. Anyway, um, so where value comes in, right? So if, if Barkley – so if the top three are gone, so if Barkley, Nelson, and Chubb are gone, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Here's why you can trade back instead of taking him at seven. Um, there's a risk no matter what you do, right? And that's what Jason Light was kind of uh, referring to with, with the whole, you know, getting too cute because you can't – at the same time, you got you can't sacrifice what you need and want for what you think you can pull off. You know, it, this isn't – uh, Kevin Costner's not here, and this isn't draft day. But well, looking I'm at it, right, back, no matter what. <laughs> but this is really the reason why I've said if Barkley is on the table at seven, I want to trade back. And I'm going to break this down to you real quick. The Bears are not taking a running back. The San Francisco 49ers are not taking a running back. The Oakland Raiders are not taking a running back. Um, The Miami Dolphins might take a running back. That's really the only spot before pick 12, because if you go back to all my trade talks, right, that's where I want the Buccaneers to trade most is to number 12 to, with Buffalo, right? If Saquon Barkley is gone and you trade back with Buffalo, you do, depending on how the board lays out, you run the risk of losing out on Darius guys to the Miami dolphins. That really all depends on the dolphins. And 
where you think they're going. I will tell you that NFL.com doesn't have running back listed as a need for the Dolphins, but who's their starting running back right now? Uh, Might be me. Yeah, I don't know who it is. Um, I'm sure there's a guy there, and I'm sure he's a good player, whatever. But right now, right now, if you look at NFL.com, right, they've got the defensive line, the linebacker, the quarterback, uh, tight end, and cornerback. Like, there's a lot of defensive players on there, right? So if Denzel Ward is still available at 11, if Mick Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, one of those linebackers, even Rashawn uh, uh, Evans, even uh, Vita Vea, you know what I mean? If any of those guys are available, then there is – I want to say a reasonable expectation that the Dolphins will pass on a running back, which means you could potentially move from seven to 12, pick up another first round uh, pick potentially. Um, I know what the draft trade board says, but you've said it on the podcast a couple of times, and I don't think people really understand it. When you have teams that are trading up out of, I don't want to say desperation, but out of like dire need, those points go higher. Like the, the, the value mm-hmm. of your pick increases. And so when you're looking at Buffalo, like Buffalo does not have a quarterback right now, Right. Like Buffalo doesn't have a Tyrod Taylor who has the lowest touchdown to interception ratio and like the history of the National Football League took your team to the playoffs despite the fact that you benched him for a five interception and one half guy. They don't have that anymore. They burned that bridge, right? So, yeah, they have AJ McCarron. So good luck. Yeah, yeah they did McCarron eight five interceptions and one half. Granted, it was the Chargers' defense, which is better than everybody realized, but still, you know, I digress. So when the Buffalo Bills are trying to trade up to number seven. Oh, those points go higher. Like your value of your seventh overall pick goes beyond the Jimmy Johnson scale. Believe that. Um, so if you're moving from seven to 12 and Saquon Barkley's already gone, you can reasonably expect Darius guys still be available at 12. Take him at 12 and then take, I don't know, a guard, a corner, a safety, whatever you want at number 22. Okay. Now that's an if that's a possible, right? So that's where Jason, like you're talking about, like, like, uh, is this too cute? Maybe I take Darius as a seven. The only people who are going to say it's a rush are Mel Kiper Jr., Todd McShay, and like, I don't know, Mike maybe Mayock. somebody, yeah, Mike, Mike Mayock, right? But like you said, if in three years this dude's a perennial Pro Bowler leading the league in rushing, uh, nobody's going to call it. Everybody's going to go back and say, like, man, Jason Light was amazing. It's too bad the Buccaneers fired him because they had a bad year in 2018, right? Like, that's potentially what's going to happen. Now, if Saquon Barkley's on the board, I go back to that, right? I've, I've gone on record already. If Saquon Barkley's on the board at seven, I still want the team to trade back because now tell me between that and 12, who's going to pick two running backs? Which two teams are going to pick running backs? Again, the, the teams before the Miami Dolphins are not taking running backs, okay? That's just not going to happen. So who's taking those two running backs off the board? Now you can trade to 12 and – the Bills aren't taking Saquon Barkley either, but now if the Dolphins take Saquon Barkley, okay, Darius Geis at 12 with another first-round pick attached to it sounds really nice compared to Darius Geis at 7. Or if you really love Saquon Barkley, maybe the Dolphins still pass on running back, and now you got Saquon Barkley at number 12 and another first-round pick. You know what I mean? So the potential just gets higher. Um, I've actually gone on record saying that if Saquon Barkley is still there at 7, I think the, the Bucks could potentially negotiate a trade with the Dolphins to trade up and get this transcendent quote unquote running back and Saquon Barkley to go to Miami and take some pressure off of Ryan Tannehill while the Dolphins probably reload and come back in the second round uh, and draft a, and draft a, a quarterback because likely that trade is going to involve a first, a future second and a third. I imagine, you know what I mean? I don't think the Dolphins are going to mortgage all oh. three of their first, their first picks this year to move up. So getting a second in 2019, a first in 2018 and a third in 2018 is a pretty good haul to still get the the second best running back that you might have a top 10 grade on in Darius Geis, uh, if that's the case. 
Uh, if the Bucks are dropping to eleven, I better get a second rounder this year. I mean, I would love it. Don't get me wrong. I I'm not. I'm not saying all three that. this year, but I want that second rounder this year. Yeah, you can give me the third rounder next year, as long as I have two picks on day two. That's good. Gold. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds. I mean, I'm, I'd be more than happy with that too. Give me. Give me a second and eighteen, and a third and nineteen. We're we're good with that too. So either way, I mean, better yet, give me all three and nine and eighteen, and we're even better. But. Yeah, so I think that answers that question um, on reach and all that stuff. And reach, like I said, like you said, and I said, I, I just verified. I guess it's really all just about where you evaluate people. Yeah. Um. So we got five pick or five questions here here left. And like you said, James, these are all kind of quick hitters. So what do you say? I just run down the list. Yeah, if you want to run down, let's let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um. So we got three here from Chef Aaron. Chef, uh, we love you, buddy. Great to hear from you again. I think you guys all know where to find Chef. We got one from Brian DeFeo. who's actually one of our writers at the Peter Plank. You can follow him at BPD. That's Bravo Papa Delta, for those who can't understand what I'm saying. 6-8 on Twitter. Uh, so go ahead and follow him. He's uh, one of our talented writers. Very good stuff. And then you got Dwight. That's uh, Dwight, uh, D-W-I-G-H-T, and then T-J-H. Not sure what that means, but that's his Twitter handle. So going right down the list, James, which player uh, in this draft are you – is your favorite and least favorite. So Aaron, uh, you asked for position by position breakdown. Um, that would take us like three episodes. So we're going to break this down. <laughs> Basically what we're going to do is we're going to go back and talk about players on the offense and defensive side that we've seen attached to the Buccaneers uh, by projection or mock and tell you which one is our favorite and our least favorite on offense and defense. So James, go ahead and take that away. Uh, my favorite player attached to the Bucks on offense so far has been, I'm not 100% sure if he was linked to the Bucks or not. I want to say Luke Easterling had him in one of the mocks, but it's my guy, Sonny Michelle. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't we think that's – so. and, and we have, but I, I'm just thinking in terms of, of mock drafts. Um, my least favorite link to the Bucks on offense would be – oh, gosh, I don't even know. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you somebody that I, I don't really want anything to do with. And again, I said it on another podcast when I, when I made a pick for a mock draft, I really personally don't want anything to do with Saquon Barkley at seven. You know, I know I've, I've said repeatedly on, on this episode, you know, if Barkley's there, you have to take him kind of through the mindset of, of the Buccaneers where we said it with Scott and, and this, I'm not sold on Saquon Barkley. I don't think he's as great as everybody else does. But I mean, am I going to be pissed if they draft him? No. It's just it's not exactly my my favorite thing. And to be honest, I haven't really seen a whole lot of offensive players linked to the Buccaneers outside of just the running back position. Um as far as defense, I think my favorite player that I've seen linked to them has been uh, Alexander, the corner out of Louisville. I know Luke Easterling had him in, in one of his mock drafts. And my least favorite, and and this is my favorite, least favorite of all time, was uh, Brian Billick did a mock draft, and he had the Bucks at number seven taking Tremaine Edmonds. Because if this team needs anything with a top 10 draft pick, it's another freaking linebacker. Are you kidding me? That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah, Tremaine Edmonds is my least favorite defensive player I've seen linked to the Bucks. So, favorite and least favorite players, right? So, uh, my favorite player on offense so far that's been linked to the Buccaneers 
is also Sony Michelle. I know that's cheap, but it is what it is. Uh, my least favorite offensive player is uh, Walton from Miami. I, yeah, I, I kind of, one. yeah, I just, I kind of feel like Walton's like just on the wrong side of this running back group for me. Like it kind of goes like probably, probably Rashad Penny to, to Walton. And I want Rashad Penny or better. Like that's kind of where I'm at with this running back class. So it's really not a knock on him per se. It's just, I don't know. It's like going to a new car lot and he's not the new car you want. Like he's still a new car, still shiny, still smells good, but he's not the one you want. For defense, my favorite player, uh, I don't know. I'm, I might be the only one connecting the Bucks to this guy, but it's Dante Jackson, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to get into that. I've already said that plenty. Um, mm-hmm. My least favorite defender is Minka Fitzpatrick. I just had this conversation on the pack, podcast I just got done with right before we started recording. I just don't think Minka fits what the, the Buccaneers need. He's too, he's too much of a – I don't want to say he's too versatile, but he's almost too versatile. Like, I don't know – if the Buccaneers draft Mika Fitzpatrick, tell me right now where he's going to start week one. You have no idea. You can't tell me that. So if you can't tell me that, who are you drafting subsequently? Well, you may end up drafting a guy who's going to play in the exact same position as your first-round pick. Like, do you really want the Buccaneers to draft an outside corner in round one and three or one and four? Like, I got they still need depth and all that stuff, but I'd rather – if you're going to draft a guy in round one, I want you to know where he's going to play, especially the seventh pick. So that's why he's my least favorite. The next question, I think we pretty much killed that one, right? Um, yeah. Which player in the draft do we see having the highest bust chance? I think, again, we'll probably go with the player attached to the Buccaneers thus far. So oh. which one do we think has the highest bust chance? Oh, I wasn't thinking in terms of Buccaneer. Linkage. Well, you can go wherever you want. That's just where I'm oh, going to go. Baker Mayfield. Oh, my God. Is this kid either going to be absolutely glorious or a glorious disaster? <laughs> like, I see no in-between for him. Yeah. And I love Baker Mayfield. I want him to succeed in the worst way, but who, buddy? He had just everything about him makes me so nervous. He he never stops and, and sets his feet. He jumps on all of his throws. It's like everything about him just makes your head want to explode because it's so unorthodox and so oh, just it, it's mind boggling. But then he makes all the plays. So it's like, all right, what is what is he? So yeah, I'm I'm sticking with Baker Mayfield. He's either going to be incredible or just god awful. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think I kind of I agree with that sentiment. <laughs> um, I'm going again with Mika Fitzpatrick. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry, I just if he doesn't go to the right place with the right coach and the right system and the right position, he's he's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna seriously injure his chances of being successful. And again, the term bust really is relative, right? Like if he goes, you know, number nine or number 10 to San Francisco or Oakland, there's less of a bust chance than if he goes number five or number six, right? And same thing. If he goes 15 or 16, I've even seen him as high as 17, I think. You know, that's all going to make it relative on whether or not he's a bust. But I think he's just – he's the biggest one just because, I mean, there – and I don't want to say the same people are doing it, but there's a lot of noise out there about how Mike Smith ruined Ryan Smith because they drafted him. And a lot of people are like, oh, he should, he should be a cornerback. And they made him play safety. And then they switched him to cornerback. And it's just hindered his development. And while I don't think that's necessarily wrong, like we have Bucks fans who say, well, because the defense didn't know where to play him, they've ruined his progression. But then at the same time, we got Bucks fans who want to make a Fitzpatrick, a mm-hmm. guy who you don't know where he's going to play. And if you play him in the wrong spot, you could hinder his progression. So it's like, you know, yeah. I don't know. Like, it, it, it all boils down to your definition of bust. Like, is Mark Barron a bust? 
Like he didn't work out in Tampa, but he's doing well in Los Angeles. Yeah, the Rams are happy. So Rams yeah, fans like call him a bust. D. Milliner was a bust. Trent Richardson was a bust. Yeah. Jamarcus yeah. Russell was a bust. Jamarcus, oh, Jamarcus Russell was a huge bust. But like Mark Barron, he was just drafted too high for what he does. But you draft I mean, too high and played in the wrong position. Yeah. But he's playing really well in Los Angeles. So I wouldn't classify him as a bust. But anyway, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, Minka scares the crap out of me. So next question from Chef, uh, which round do you see Jason Light trading into and how many trades do you think Jason Light will make? If he makes any trades, it will only be one and it will be to acquire a pick on day two, whether it's to finagle his way into the second round, to finagle his way into the third round. If he's trading back in the first round in order to pick up a a pick in the second or third uh, I think that's kind of what you're looking at. That's kind of the sweet spot. There's a, I mean, Jason Light has a, he has a knack for, you know, trading away both of his seventh or, you know, trading away seventh round pick or, or two seventh round picks to move up 10 spots in the sixth round or whatever. You might see one of those, but at the end of the day, does that one really matter? What you want to know is, is he going to make a trade to get an impact guy? Is he going to make a trade to get a Kendall Beckwith? Is he going to make a trade to get a, anti-aguayo you know is he is he going to make a a headline trade Uh, and i think that's kind of what you're looking at yeah um i think if he makes a trade it's definitely going to be for the day two pick to to gain another day two pick um but i think he makes two trades i think he makes a trade sort of towards the end of the round or the uh, end of the draft i don't know what for i just my gut says two so that's my answer He's going to make a trade to give up like, oh, he's going to trade away the fourth round pick so that we don't have to look at the parrot. That'd be great. That's what's going to happen. GM of the year if he does that. Brian asks, what pick would we be comfortable trading back for to get Darius Geis? None. Hashtag Geis at seven. (laughs) Darius Geis, no matter what. Yeah. And I'm at 12. Yeah, like David said, I I think if the Bucks trade back with the Bills at twelve, uh, that's a comfortable spot to get guys. And we have seen him link to the Redskins at thirteen. I, I think that's the highest I've seen him go. I saw a mock earlier today where he dropped all the way to thirty second. Yeah. Um. So he's he's this year's Dalvin Cook. Nobody knows where he's going to end up. He could go in the high teens. He could go in the second round. We just have no clue. Yeah, he went 32nd in today's mock draft I did with those guys, too. So, I mean, uh, it, it is what it is. Yeah, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I think we're, we're pretty much at the same level on that. Uh, I've already given my answer to this pretty much, but uh, <laughs> Dwight asked, based on their skill sets, who's a better fit, Mika Fitzpatrick or Derwin James? Derwin James, and it's not yeah, close. That's Derwin James, yeah. And, it's, and, and it's, it's not close. Right. Like, here's the thing, man. Like, if the Buccaneers had two quality starting safeties, right? Like I agree. I think Chris Conte and Keith Tandy are serviceable guys, but if they had two quality starting safeties, two quality outside corners, then I'm all me about Mika Fitzpatrick. Cause now he's just your swing guy. Like he's your, Oh, you want to come out with four receivers? Cool. Mika, you're playing in the slot. You want to come out with two receivers and a tight out tight end split. Cool. Mika, you're playing free safety. You know what I mean? Like, He's your wild card. So you can shift him and he, you know, you can move him around the chessboard any way you want to, like a queen and all that crap. And it's great. Uh, the Buccaneers don't have that. The Buccaneers need guys who know how to play in the position they're drafted for. Uh, 
So that's why Derwin James, uh, 10 and a half times out of 10 over Mika Fitzpatrick for me personally. All right. Well, David, that will do it for our first annual draft mailbag episode. And when it comes time for the second one, you are not allowed to be on another podcast in the same night of recording because it is late. It is late. So we'd like to thank each and every one of you who sent in their takes and uh, have no fear. By the time you're listening to this portion of this episode, uh, it will be draft day because as I accurately predicted, we have run over on time and this will be split into two episodes. So happy draft day, everybody. We will be back tomorrow to recap the first round. As far as the Bucks are concerned, we might touch on a couple of surprises here and there, but we're definitely going to talk about whoever it is that the Buccaneers have taken at number seven or nine or 11 or 12 and 22 or 15 or whatever the case may be. Whoever the guy is, he's a Buccaneer now. Get excited. Root for their success because... Best draft pick ever. Yes. Best draft pick ever. Um, David, gun to your head right now. uh, Who is the Buccaneers pick? Uh, The Buccaneers at number seven select a trade with the Buffalo Bills. No no trading. Who's the pick? Uh, At number seven, gun to my head, it's Quentin Nelson. I'm sticking with Derwin James, unfortunately. I don't think Quentin Nelson gets there, but I hope you're right. I hundred percent hope you're right. I don't think he will either. Um, that's that's yeah. But yeah, thanks to each and every one of you for joining us. Make sure you're following all of our draft coverage over at thepeterplank.com because we are going to have a ton of it. If you can think of it, it's going to be at thepeterplank.com. We're going to have instant reaction. We're going to have analysis. We're going to have social media reaction. We're going to have our guy Bailey Adams for the second year in a row. Now he's going to find out the three things that you have to know about whoever the Bucks draft pick is, whatever round it is, every single one, he's going to have three things you need to know. That's right. Before everybody went crazy about how Kendall Beckwith messes around with horses or whatever, what, what, what is he? he? He did like horse training or horse farming or something. Bailey had it. Yeah. Bailey had it, and then all of a sudden it blew up on ESPN. It's like, hey, our our guy had already found that out. Like he's he knows what he's doing. So make sure you're checking out. Yeah, make sure you're checking out what Bailey Adams is doing because he he digs up some really interesting little factoids. It's not just three things about the football aspect. Mm -hmm. Uh, Make sure you're following along on Twitter. We're going to be super active throughout the draft on Twitter at Locked On Bucks at the Pewter Plank at Jayarko underscore Bucks and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Send us your reactions. Send us your reactions to the picks and the DMs, and we'll uh, we'll throw a couple on the air for each episode. We have a lot of coverage coming your way. So thank you all for joining us. We are excited about the draft and hope you all have a pleasant, wonderful, and enjoyable draft evening. We'll catch you next time right here at Locked on Bucks. The lights are-